The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Doug Birch and you're listening to the Fairly Spiritual Show. Well, uh, today, this is my last show on KCIS. After some prayerful consideration, I've decided um, I'm just going to take a break from doing this radio show. I'll still be doing the podcast, but uh, not the radio show on KCIS. Uh, All this to be said, I am so thankful for how this station has treated me, and I want to use this last show to share my heart about Christian media, about Christian communication, about what motivates everything I do in this sector, the Christian media industry. More to come. Welcome to the last show of the Fairly Spiritual Show on KCIS. I'll keep doing the podcast, and maybe in the future someday I'll be back on radio, but uh, I just let the wonderful people here at KCIS, and I do mean wonderful in how they have treated me, I let them know that this will be my last show. I'm just, uh, I feel like after a lot of prayer that God has called me to do some other things. I just finished uh, a book that will be coming out uh, hopefully in November, printed by um, InterVarsity Press, called Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. And uh, I will be spending time focusing on promoting that and uh, writing articles and other things. And I just felt like uh, what I needed to do was instead of a weekly radio show is focus on other things and occasionally put out a podcast. All that to be said, this is my last show on KCIS, and uh, it's a little sad because I've enjoyed my time with you guys, and uh, I just want to share my heart with you before I leave. I want you to know why I uh, participate in Christian media, why I've tried to have some sort of expression when it comes to Christian media. Um, If you want to text me, you can text me at 360-818-4513. Uh, you got one more show to complain about, 360-818-4513, 360-818-4513, or you can go to fairlyspiritual.org and find out how to listen to the podcast and other things, the Fairly Spiritual Show. So uh, a scripture that motivates my media ministry or all the stuff that I do outside of uh, pastoring Evergreen Church in Auburn uh, is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, uh, when we learn the stories of the Bible, we know the ending. We know that even because they're in there, there's a certain ending that's going to build up our faith. It's important to realize, though, that while people were living out these journeys, they did not know the end. I mean, they thought they might know the end. By faith, they believed for a better end. But as they were walking out these stories, they didn't know the outcome. And uh, sometimes I think we have a habit of reading the stories, not truly encountering how they must have felt before the miracle happened, how they must have felt before God rescued them, before the answer came. Now, there's a scripture, it's in Daniel 3.16 that I love, that we have where uh, they were supposed to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar, the golden uh, image, and instead they said, no, we will not bow down uh, to this idol. We are servers, we serve Yahweh, we serve God. And so Nebuchadnezzar got incredibly upset, 
and called uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Shadrach and Benny. Uh, he called them in, and uh, he basically warned them, if you don't bow down, uh, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And this is their response. And I love their response. And I just want to read this. Uh, Daniel 3, 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. By the way, how, how is that just in talking to a king, the royal uh, you know, ruler of the land, the one who has your life in their hands, who's threatening to throw you into a furnace, and they're saying, we don't even have to respond to you, but, but we're going to. That's pretty bold. So in 17 it says, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hands, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now, let's just read that again. This is one of the best statements in Scripture. They first say confidently, hey, our God, he will deliver us out of your hands. So that's pretty strong, right? And we know God does deliver uh, them out of uh, his hands, out of the fiery furnace. But they don't know that. They're just saying this by faith. But they go on, and this shows you that although they're saying this by faith, there's a part of them that thinks, well, maybe this won't happen, but it doesn't matter. We're going to do it anyway. Because they say, but even if he does not, even if God does not rescue us, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I love that concept. Even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. Our God will rescue us, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. So how does this uh, connect with media ministry? Well, early on, when I was a younger pastor, pastoring Evergreen Church in Auburn, Washington, I became uh, pretty disillusioned with uh, my ability to have influence in society. And I began to argue with God. I began to argue with God, why, why would you put desires in my heart uh, about the world, about what needs to change in the world, yet you have me pastor this little, not very influential church? And I had this myth in my mind that my church needed to be a certain size, the church I served needed to be a certain size for people to take me seriously, for me to pursue the things I wanted to pursue in my heart. Because uh, these are the things I saw in my heart. I remember one day I was looking at Christian television. I don't watch Christian television, but those, those channels that were higher up on the cable dial, I began to look at them and I turned from each station to each station and I found on each station really troubling shows. Now, I, I guess there are good shows on there as well, but the day that I looked, the first one they were saying something like, if you give $100, God's going to give you 1000 back. And the next one was this extreme, overtly political partisan show. And the next one was someone fundraising by selling you know, oil that was supposed to cure. It was Holy Land oil or something. And as I went through those things, I was distraught. I thought, how, how Lord... How could, how could this happen? How could Christian television be such a wasteland or such a place where there was so little representation of the gospel? And I began to lament that, you know, Lord, why? And that was just in my heart. Like, I, I want to do something about this. I want to create a better witness in media. I, 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 I'm tired of what I see in Christian radio. I'm tired of many of the expressions I see 
in uh, Christian television and radio and on the internet. I'm tired of that. I don't see the representation of the gospel that I grew into, that I was raised in. I was raised in an incredibly loving and caring home that Christ was different. Christ was far more important than political partisanship. We, we knew that God was not a Republican or a Democrat. And we knew that God was not even an American, that God is far more than those limited ways that we define each other and polarize each other. And so I was raised in that environment, yet I, I didn't see that reality in the witness around me. And I would lament it, you know, I would, like I'm doing now, I would lament it to certain people. But I remember having this argument with God, with why, why would you put these desires on my heart to change media or to have a better witness in media, and yet I have this small, struggling church? And I had this thought that unless our church grows and gets bigger uh, and we have more power and influence, I can't pursue these other desires in my heart. And I felt so strongly that the Lord said to me, who told you that? Who told you that you had to become a powerful church or powerful pastor to do what I've placed on your heart? Just go and do it. And that has been a strong conviction in my life that I'm not going to do things based on power dynamics. I'm not going to do it based on how big our church is or how much money we have. I'm just going to do things based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I decide to do just to do things based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. So if you come to me and say, well, well, Doug, I can't do what you are calling me to do. You're calling me to follow God's vision for your life, but you don't understand how poor I am or how weak I am or how the limited resources we have. And I can say, well, I understand a little because I hit it out on this Christian media endeavor with just a small church of un under 100 people. And we could barely afford to pay the pastoral salary, let alone start a radio ministry. But this is what hit me. I was reading that passage on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I thought of this. You know, I've been doing a lot of complaining, but complaining doesn't change the world. And I can sit around and complain about what's wrong with the church and what's wrong with Christian media, and I, I can do all that, and nothing will change. Or I can just stop bowing down. I can just do a better witness. I can just do whatever I can to try to change the culture, to change the climate, to change the conversation. And so that's what I committed myself to do. It's like, I'm going to work my life in, in every age of my life from this point on. Uh, when I was talking with the Lord on this, from this point on, I will, in every stage of my life, I will work to actively confront and actively fight against what I see is corrupting the witness of Christ in Christian media. I'm just not going to bow down. I'm not going to bow down to that idol anymore. I'm not going to bow down to the idol of political partisanship. I'm just not going to bow down to it. I'm not going to bow down to the greedy, it's about the money and about prosperity, health, wealth, and happiness. I'm not going to bow down to that. And I'm not going to bow down to an angry, bitter, self-righteous spirit that looks more at the sins of the world than the sins in our own lives. And I've tried to do that with our radio show and with my podcast, is that we look at our own lives. We talk about our own issues of where we're called to grow and submit and surrender and repent instead of, instead of spending day after day talking about what's wrong with them and what's right with us. I just thought, I'm not going to bow down anymore. And this was the thought. Uh, God will maybe open a door. God will 
maybe allow me to speak to more people. God will maybe take this little faith offering and it could become something bigger. But even if it doesn't become something bigger, even if I completely fail, I'm not going to bow down. And that's how I'm trying to live my life, to stand before the Lord and say, I don't know, it, it didn't seem to work out. It seemed to be rejected by most people. It didn't really become what I thought it would become, but I didn't bow down. I tried my best. I tried my best to be faithful to the vision you put on my heart, and I tried to live by faith, and hopefully maybe some other people were influenced and inspired, or they lived by faith as well. But I didn't bow down. That's, to me, how I approach media ministry. And, and right after I made that prayer, God opened doors and relational doors. I knew someone on another Christian station who had a, a weekend show, and and we had a conversation, and he invited me on to be a guest. And I just, I met him after that conversation I had with the Lord. And so I was a guest on his show, and then he invited me back to be a guest on his show. And then one time on the radio, he said, you know, what's the desire in your heart? And I said, well, a desire in my heart is to host a show like you're hosting a show. And so he said, okay, I'll let you host the show. And the next week, I hosted his show. And after doing that show for a while, then I was able to say, okay, I'm going to do my own thing. And so in this terrible time slot, in the middle of the day, when no one listened to the station, I had this little half an hour radio show. And I didn't have the church pay for it. I just asked friends and family members if anyone would be willing to support that show. And they did. And I started the Fairly Spiritual show a long time ago on a different station. Well, from that, I was given the opportunity that one of the station managers said, hey, would you like to be a guest on our daily drive time talk show. And I was like, sure, I'll do that. And then the next thing it was, would you like to, uh, when the host is gone, would you like to be a substitute host? And I was sure I'll be a substitute host. And then when they didn't have a host in the Seattle area, they said, hey, do you want to be our host? And I became the host of a daily uh, drive time talk show radio, daily, Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m., God allowed me to speak and have influence. But this is what I got to tell you. When I started at that, I thought that there was room for the vision that God had placed on my heart in Christian media. My heart was this, that I felt like Christian radio had become far too political and partisan. That I thought there were people wanting to make Christian radio more about the gospel and less about politics. And and and. You know, not just politics, but partisan politics are divisive and angry and bitter, and we tear people down. You, you can't argue that people are motivated by the love and kindness and goodness of Christ. In fact, I'll see Christians following people who aren't Christians, who don't love Christ, who live very pagan existence, and yet they follow their lead when it comes to politics, and they actually follow their lead more than they follow the lead of pastors. It's something I'm even seeing during this pandemic. And uh, I just thought there were more Christians out there who would believe, yeah, you know, we, we have to step out of that. we got to come out from them and recognize that that's not producing fruit for the kingdom. It's not a reconciling dialogue. And there needs to be a better witness. But what I found is I was wrong. There was not a large gr group of people clamoring for what I provided. We, we did a show for five years. We did 1,200 shows. I was able to fulfill all the requirements as a radio host there and and I certainly had people who liked to listen to the show. But for the most part, it wasn't popular in the way I thought it would be popular. There wasn't a strong movement of people who said, I want to turn away from this political, partisan, 
angry rhetoric and more towards a Christ-centered reconciling dialogue. It just wasn't there. And every week, uh, sometimes even every day during the week, I'd get an angry email from someone upset that I would say, you know, we should be loving to President Barack Obama and we should be the most loving people to him. Uh, And I'd have people call me all sorts of names. And they called themselves Christians as they tore into me, my identity, my theology, uh, my existence. So when I left that station, I was pretty disillusioned. I kind of brushed the dust off and thought, well, I don't know, Lord, maybe I was just wrong. But I didn't bow down. I, I was there as long as I could be there, as best as I could be a good employee, and then when the Lord said, it's time for you to leave, I left. And after that, I've been trying to do other things as best I know how. I've tried to do podcasts. I've written a book on community. My next book is on how we use social media and how we can be Christ-like with social media, and that'll be coming out in November. And uh, here we are with this program, the Fairly Spiritual Podcast and Radio Show, to facilitate a better dialogue. But i got to tell you, it hasn't been easy because uh, I haven't seen a clamoring for the things that are in my heart. But I have to say to you, as I would say to the Lord, I'm not going to bow down. I think that we are destroying our Christian witness, and I would say destroying our Christian witness, by how we've made Christianity a political partisan issue. And not I'm not talking about even your opinions about things. I'm talking about the way we communicate. Partisans communicate not to reconcile, Not to say, hey, I have the truth here and you don't, but I love you and so I'm going to communicate in a way that you can find the truth because I love you. That's not how partisans communicate. Partisans communicate to devour and destroy and ridicule. Their goal is to prove I'm right and you're wrong. Their goal is to get their candidate elected and yours defeated. Their goal is for, you know, my people to stay in the country and the people I don't like to leave the country. It's a divisive polarizing, in my opinion, anti-Christ spirit. We can all have strong political opinions. In fact, a healthy society is good for that. I have no problem with people having strong, passionate opinions about anything, from gun control to abortion uh, to taxes to whatever. But Christians are called to communicate the truth that they believe is from God in the most reconciling, loving way. This is not some abstract thing where, well, Doug, you're, ma- you know, I don't know if that's true. Actually, it is true. We know in Luke, uh, Jesus says, and he says this through both the Gospels, or Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John as well. But he, he talks about love, and he says, you know, what credit is it to you if you only love those who love you? The pagans do that. But Jesus says, I have a different form of love. I want you to love those who don't love you. I want you to lend to your enemies. Bless your enemies, and don't expect any repayment. So even for people who are, well, you know, you just don't understand that side. There are enemies. They're enemies of the gospel. They're, we got the right partisan side, and they got the wrong partisan side. And I've, I've seen this spirit expressed in both uh, conservative and progressive environments. But I see it more in conservative environments because there's 80% of evangelicals who voted for Donald Trump. So you see a certain level of that among a conservative Christians. But this idea, well, because we disagree with them and because they're enemies of America or enemies of the gospel or 
enemies of what I believe, we have the right to ridicule them. We have the right to to angrily attack them, to call them names, to to treat them as other. And I would say, no, no, not as a Christian. You don't have that right. In fact, Jesus was very clear. If you only love those who love you, that means if Republicans only love Republicans and Democrats only love Democrats, that's there's no credit to you. There's nothing in that that is gospel. There's nothing. Pagans can do that. Christians love people who disagree with them. Christians love their enemies. They bless their enemies. And they bless their enemies in such a way that their enemy knows that they're being blessed. Not passive-aggressive, you know, just saying something nice but meaning something mean. But they actually bless their enemies. They do good to their enemies. They loan to them and do not expect repayment. See, the gospel is a message of reconciliation. We were enemies of God, right? That's what scripture says clearly. We were enemies of God, yet God did not kick us out. He didn't say, well, I'm not going to love you because you're an enemy. I'm only going to love the people who love me. No, we were enemies of God, and he came and he loved us. He gave us the best love gift possible. He died for our sins, took every punishment that we would or might deserve upon himself, and gave us the fullness of God's righteousness reconciliation, and relationship. We have been forgiven much. And then he asks us to do this. What you have received, give to others. You were an enemy and you were loved. So now when you confront enemies, you love those enemies. There should be nothing radical about this. But I know even as I'm talking about it, people get angry because they want to hold on to the idol. And to me, it's the idol Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were called to bow down to that golden image of power in Nebuchadnezzar. And whether it's political power, whether it's nationalism, whether it's culture, whether it's even my rights, we want to bow down to that or to prop up that golden image. And God says every single one of those idols must fall. Well, the reason I don't love that person is they don't bow down to my idol. They don't bow down to my politics. They don't bow down to my nation. And God says, no, you're a child of God. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. You don't just love people who agree with you. You love everyone. You don't just love everyone. You love your enemies and you love the brethren as well. And you don't devour brothers and sisters in Christ. You love everyone. You love uh, male and female young and old. You love the foreigner. A sign that God is moving in the land is how we treat the foreigners, how we treat the homeless, how we treat the neglected, how we treat those who have less, how we treat any minority group in that any group that does not have power. That's a sign. Philippians 2 says clearly what our attitude should should be like is Christ Jesus, being very nature God, did not consider equality with God, something to be grasped or to be lorded over us. So he lowered himself and became the servant of all. Christians are called to be the servant of all. You know, right now we're in the middle of a pandemic and revival would have occurred if every Christian had become the servant of all. If we'd all said, you know what, this is a wonderful opportunity to show how reconciling, loving, kind, gracious, gentle, servant-hearted Christians are. The world would have been transformed. 
millions and millions of people would have been like, I, I need that. What Christians are doing, that they're more loving and more servant-hearted and more kind and more gracious. How they treat their enemies with tremendous love. How I can see them blessing and loving those they disagree with. We would have contrasted this world and many would have come to know Jesus. But instead, what? What are we? This demonic footholds are rising up. The things that we're serving above God are with God, that are contrary to God, are making the water bitter and corrupting our witness. I did this radio show on KCIS for one reason, to facilitate a better dialogue and hopefully also just to honor God. I appreciate any of you who listened. This is my passion. You got your calling. You got your passion. But this is my passion. I'm not going to bow down to the idols of this age. My life is going to be about the reconciling good news of the kingdom of God. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to facilitate better conversations, especially through Christian media. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, You can go to fairlyspiritual.org if you want to find out more information about what I do. Or if you want to text me about the last show, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. He's not comparing you to others. He has a specific plan and purpose for your life. Pursue the kingdom of God. Be led by the Spirit and the Spirit alone. The Spirit will confirm what the Word of God is saying to you. Be at peace. Make room for the Lord, and may God richly bless you. I'll see you some other time, some other place. The preceding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.